0: Welcome to the Telford Minster podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford, and we hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he is doing in your life. We have now moved into the completed Minster space on Southwater Square in Telford, and we'd love to invite you to come along and give church a try at our 4 pm gatherings every Sunday opposite Wilco's and above Novella Lounge. Enjoy the podcast. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Amen. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you for Laura. We thank you for her boldness. And we just pray that she speaks with a fire today that burns away any dross, but actually just ignites each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, guys. And thanks for reading that passage. It's great to hear people around the church reading that together. Keep it open, because we're going to keep referring um, to that as we think about this together. Now, recently, my husband and I moved into a new house. And this house is um, a new-build house. It's about five years old. And um, I don't know if any of you, many of you probably have seen new-build houses around Helford. There's quite a few of them, isn't there? And um, our garden is really nice size it's lovely but you look at it from a distance and it looks like it's lovely it looks nice it's got greenery on on where the grass should be then you get a bit closer and you start to notice there's actually some dandelions and some things coming up in the grass and it and then you get a little bit closer still and you actually realize that there's pretty much zero grass and it's just full of weeds. And I'm told this is common in Telford. Does anyone else have this problem? <laughs> um, so my husband, Mike, has been spraying weed killer, trying everything, covering it in things that are just trying to get rid of these weeds. And it's really tough. It just feels like we don't have the right tools. And eventually, a few weeks ago, he came home with a new toy. Anyone here like a new toy? Uh, it was this, wee, this thing that you put in the ground, and you spike it in, and you, it, you press a button, and it, like, picks up the weed and the root. So now, we not only have a garden that's kind of full of weeds, but a garden that's full of holes where the weeds were. There we go. <laughs> Now, in this passage, James is calling to attention how to have a godly life and get out those weeds, spending time doing what God really wants. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, sometimes I feel a little bit unprepared for that. Like, I know God loves me and I know that I am a child of his, but am I really prepared to step into everything that he has for me? Am I really prepared to be a doer and not just a hearer of his word and get on and just do it like the Nike slogan says? Are we prepared to pay the price and get on and do the stuff? Now someone once told me that it takes two weeks to get rid of pollution out your lungs. So if you've been to a place that's really polluted, it can take about two weeks to get it out your lungs. And I just feel like this afternoon that God wants to breathe a bit of spiritual fresh air for us today. In verse 21, it says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. And James says to lay aside all of this filthiness, he says he must get rid of this moral filth. There's an interesting word here in the Greek, the word filth. We translate it a bit different. And the the word in the Greek comes from a root in, in meaning, actually, earwax. Now, can we just talk about earwax for a moment? It's a bit manky, isn't it, when you're full of earwax and you can't hear very well when your ears are full of wax. And then some of us naturally go and reach for a cotton bud and stick it in our ear. You know, I'm told that's the worst possible thing you can do. It just pushes the wax further into your ear and doesn't actually help it clear. And doctors tell us that that's a pretty bad idea, so don't go sticking cotton buds in your ear. But I wonder sometimes, are we just reaching for the wrong tools? A bit like in our garden, with trying to clear those weeds. bit like trying to clear the earwax out of our ears. Do we reach for the wrong tools in life? And James says that we need to rid ourselves of everything and anything we know in our lives that stops us from hearing God. And until we do that, we won't really be able to hear what he says. We won't really be able to hear it and hear what he says. Martin Luther King said these words. Don't tell me what you believe. Show me what you do and I'll tell you what you believe. And so often in my life, I find myself walking down a track and able to proclaim and able to say, yes, yes, I believe in Jesus and yes, these things are true. But am I really showing it in all of my life? Understanding and accepting that God is our gardener, our father, the one who takes time to nurture us, to develop us, to show us the things that aren't right in our lives, is a key to freedom. And if we all had a true biblical understanding of what it means to have God as our wonderful Abba, our father, our beloved, we're his beloved, then just imagine what the worldwide church would actually look like. It would be amazing, wouldn't it? It would be full of people just following God and acting on his will, changing things and making a difference in the world. And James here is writing to the church across the world in this letter. And if we lived wholeheartedly according to that truth as he revealed it in Jesus, we would offer something so precious and so desperately needed by the broken world that we're in. We'd be secure as sons and as daughters of a heavenly God and acutely aware of the things around us that aren't of Him. We'd be able to really hear, really hear Him. Now, I'm going to read you a little story. This is a book that I've had since I was a teenager, actually. And um, it's a, it's a book full of uh, stories of people who have have done amazing things and stood up for Jesus. It's called Jesus Freaks. And this story is about a little girl called Lee Dano, and she's in Vietnam in 1991. Now, four police officers suddenly burst into 10-year-old Lee Dale's home. They forced her father, who he was an underground pastor in North Vietnam, to re- re- t- remain seated, while the authorities ransacked their home, searching for Bibles. I remember when the police came, Lee Diaz recalls. They searched the house, and all that morning asked many different questions. It was scary to talk to the policemen, but I knew what they were looking for. So I concentrated and tried my best not to be scared or nervous. And as the police questioned her parents, Leanne courageously hid some of the Bibles in her school backpack. When the police asked her about the contents of her backpack, Leanne simply replied, it's it's books for the children. And Leanne's father was arrested that day and sentenced to seven years of re-education through hard labor. And when the policeman decided to take my dad away, she said, my family knelt down on the floor and prayed. She said, I prayed first, and then my sister, and then my mum, and last of all, my dad. I prayed that my dad would have peace and remain healthy, and that my family would survive through these hard times. We were all crying, but I told myself, I just have to face what's happening now. Now word quickly spread about his arrest, and neighbouring children began to ask Leah what criminal acts her father had actually done. And she told her friends, My father is not a criminal. He is a Christian, and I am proud of him for not wavering in his faith. And as each day passed, Leah down made a mark on her wooden bookcase as she prayed for her father. She remembers I cried almost every single night. I worried how my father was doing in prison and how the policemen were treating him. And before my dad was in prison, I was just a child. I didn't need to worry about anything. It was a lot different after my dad left. My mind got older very quickly, and I told my sister that we had to help mum do work around the house so she could continue with my dad's work in the church. And she recalls, I prayed every day and every night. My faith grew very fast. I knew one thing that I had to concentrate on, and that was spending time learning from the Bible. so when I grew up, I could be like my dad, sharing and preaching. And when I think about this, I feel my heart burning inside me, pushing me, telling me this is the right thing to do. And finally, after more than a year, Leah, her mom, and sister were able to visit their father in prison. And when they reached the compound, they were separated by a chain fence. Leah quickly discovered that she could squeeze into the prison la- yard through a chained gate, and she ran to her father and hugged him tightly. The guards watched the little girl, and, but surprisingly, they just left her alone. They thought, what harm can a little girl do? Little did they know. Armed with innocence and childlike faith, children like Leah can be a secret weapon against the kingdom of Satan. And during that first visit to her father's prison, Leah was able to smuggle him a pen, which he used to write scriptures and sermons on cigarette paper. These cigarette sermons travelled from cell to cell and were instrumental in bringing many prisoners to come to know Jesus. And Leah's prayers were answered. Her father was released early, before he served those seven years that he was sentenced to. She says, It was a big surprise when I came home from school one day and saw my dad had been released from prison. I ran and gave him a big hug, and we were so happy. I was proud of my family, and I wanted to yell and let the whole world know that I wasn't scared of anything, because God always protects each step I go in life. Isn't it amazing that when we act on God's word, he moves? And it isn't just little girls like Leah that you can hear stories like this. This book is just one example of being full of stories like that. And I know each one of you have a story to share. Imagine if we all actually did what God's word said. We would, as a church, forgive readily and easily. We wouldn't take offence over little things. Our churches wouldn't get hung up on being different to one another. We wouldn't criticise one another. We wouldn't grumble about Matt all the time, you know. Matt's our church leader if you're visiting. (laughs) Our love for the lost and the unlovely in the world would be outrageous, extravagant and radical. Isn't that the kind of church we want? We want it, but do we really act on it? That's the question we're thinking about today. Now, casual hearers of the Bible glance at highlights of God's word and continue their way on like a tourist. Imagine just visiting a little bit of a passage and thinking, this is good, I want to take this little bit, I want to pick on this. This, Yeah, God loves me, That, I'll kick on that one. But in this passage, James is challenging us not only to be people that pick on little bits, but to act on God's word. Because as apprentices of Jesus, we keep looking and doing. We look in the mirror and we see a flaw and we go to fix a problem. Now when you look in the mirror, I wonder, what do you see? Do you see the true fullness of what God has for you? As an apprentice of Jesus, we should, when we return to the Bible, when we return to his word, keep looking and refining and tweaking and looking and noticing what God has for us. James here is picturing us coming again and again to God's word and reveling in his perfect law. We should study, we should examine, and we should always seek to be fixing and refining we don't just listen to the Bible and rush away forgetting what it taught us. We don't come on a Sunday and think, yeah, this is really good stuff, and then just go and live our life as if nothing was different. So let's not be forgetful hearers. James, earlier on in this passage, we heard Matt talk on it a couple of weeks ago, told us that we need to slow down. We need to listen to God need to be not quick to speak and not quick to anger and to slow down and obey God and put away all that filthiness because we have the full inheritance that comes from knowing Jesus we weren't just created for cheap labor for God but God actually wants us to be his co-creators I just find that incredible that he actually wants us to join in in the creation of the world with him In Genesis, we read that we're made in the image of God. It says at the beginning of the Bible, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, we might have heard that many times throughout our lives, but what does it actually mean to be made in the image of God? The word in Hebrew which is what is used as the word image in this passage, is translated as an idol or a statue. An idol is a visible representation of a visible, invisible being. And a statue at that point was put in every temple of every god in the ancient world so a worshiper could see what God was like. So we're like God's statues. We're his children and we can be seeing, but people can see God in us. How incredible is that, that he wants to co-create with us, that he wants to use us, and we're put on this earth to show the world what God is like. Just incredible, incredible. Now think about it, God could have made humans, he's God, he could have made them out of dust just like he did Adam. Instead, he chose to work through marriage and through family. He could have made our food just fall from the sky. We see that with manna in Exodus, but instead he chooses to work through farming and agriculture and trade. He could have put Adam and Eve into a city like he's going to in the New Jerusalem, but instead he chose to put them in the garden and give them a shot at starting civilization from scratch. Why is that? God could have done anything, but chooses for us to be co-creators with him. God is looking for partners. Seems like a bit of a dangerous game to play with me. Human beings are responsible for some amazing things, aren't they? Think about art and science and medicine and education. The Sistine Chapel. Um, Think about music, like Handel's Messiah or Telford Town Centre, the beauty that that is. Eurovision. Who watched that last (laughs) night? Humans can be incredible. We're responsible for space travel, for novels, for photography, and for the best food, Indian food. Oh, had an Indian takeaway this week. Yum. But we're also responsible for a world in which 48 million people live in slavery, for a world where there is blatant racism, for the Holocaust for Hiroshima, for the genocide in Rwanda, for the wars around the world today, for pornography, for global warming, for the endangered species list. And don't even get me started on grime music. I mean, as humans, we're a bit of a mixed bag and we have a great capacity, more than we know, to partner with God and be life bringers for the world around us. Or, we have the opportunity to exploit the earth itself and rob people of an environment where they and us can thrive. What James is saying is we should catch just one glimpse of God's word and not help but keep going back for it again and again and again. When we look at ourselves in the mirror, we should know ourselves as children of God, partners with him, apprentices, journeying to breathe life bring us to tend to the garden that we are called to so let's slow down let's listen to god not be quick to speak not be quick to anger and slow life down and obey god cleaning our hearts of weeds that get in the way of us hearing what god really has to say We're partners with God. Let's allow Him to work the garden that is our life. So let's just take a moment just to listen to what God has to say to each of us. I'm going to read the passage again to you. As we read this, just invite God, and I encourage you just to invite God to speak to you. What is it that He wants to say to you today? And it might be that he speaks to you in a picture, it might be that you get um, a really clear word, or it might be that as you just read this passage again, you just hear what God has to really say to you through it. So, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness, the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accepts the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word as you, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately gets what it looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and don't keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless religion that God our father accepts as pure and as faultless as this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world world so in a moment you're going to have an opportunity to respond and sometimes it helps if we just do something and move somewhere so why don't we stand where we are and um Just as you stand, take sight of two black tables in this space. There's one at the back over here and one at the side over here. And on those tables, um, there are some mirrors. And on those mirrors, it says, He sees me. And it's there as a reminder to to know that you are a child of God, that you are seen, that you're a co-creator with him. And if you want to today to make a commitment to say, yes, God, I want to act on your word. I want to take this seriously. I no longer just want to be somebody who hears a little bit and doesn't do, give it everything and all I've got. Can I invite you in a moment to, t- to head to one of those tables and pick up one of those mirrors? And Matt and Steph are going to be standing by them. And if you want, um, want someone to pray for you as you do that, they'll just say a prayer of blessing over, over you committing that. Amen Thanks for listening. We hope this time blessed you. Hit the subscribe button to hear more like this. And to find out more about Telfer Minster, follow us at Telfer Minster on Instagram and Facebook, or go to Telferminster.org.uk.